helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 Weekdays on Vision Christian Radio. The Story. I was a very selfish person, only thinking about myself, feeling sorry for myself after all the things that I'd been through. And because the psychiatrist would tell me that there was nothing they could do for me, I just would have to go on taking my drugs and just being a mess. And um, one night I was driven to my knees. I had a conversion experience that shook me right down to my core. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, Francie Williams was living a normal life growing up in central Queensland when things took a drastic turn for the worse, when she was abused. This deeply disturbed her and led to serious psychological problems and dysfunctional behaviour. But God's love eventually broke through and she's been helping others ever since. She's having a chat and sharing her amazing story with Karen Hunt. And parents, we just want to warn you that adult themes will be discussed. Let's start this chat giving us a little bit of an outline, as you know, of where you were born and where you grew up. I was born in a small mining town, my aunt Morgan, in central Queensland, and I grew up in Rockhampton. And what was life like within your family at that time? Just normal family life. What's normal these days? (laughs) Serious. Back then, in a working class family. Yeah. And uh, we had good times and we had bad times. I have a brother uh, who's younger than me and a sister who's younger than me. And uh, we also have a brother that we discovered many years later. Mum's first child and he actually discovered us. and That was wonderful. We, we just enlarged our family. There you go. So what were you like as a little tacker? What did you enjoy? What were you good at? What are some of your fonder memories? I liked basketball. Mm-hmm. I liked studying. I loved swimming. It was great. I loved the beach, mm-hmm. things like that. I loved getting my own way. <laughs> you were the oldest, weren't thing. you? I was pretty independent like that. Yeah. Was faith a part of your family culture at that time? My grandfather and grandmother had great faith. Mm-hmm. So great that when my sister fell ill with kidney disease, acute nephritis, and back in those days, that for her would have been a death sentence. Mm. She was only young. She was only seven. Uh, Granddad actually prayed and he knew like he knew like he knew that she was going to be healed. And a drug that was new on the market, had only just come into Australia, was flown up to Rockhampton where she was being nursed Mm. and they used it on her and she survived and today she serves the Lord also. My grandfather led me to the Lord when I was about 10 Mm -hmm. and um, he gave me a little New Testament. That was really neat. I do remember that day. But that didn't make any difference inside of my heart, really. I was still strong-willed and self-willed. What about your brother and sister in that capacity? Oh, yes, we all were. (laughs) Did your granddad introduce the Lord to them as well? Um, I'm not sure, to be quite honest. Actually, Mm -hmm. we've never spoken about it. So with your brother, with your sister, your mum and dad, your grandparents there, what kind of memories do you have of that season in your life? Look... 
For many years, I had very bad memories because my dad was an alcoholic mm-hmm. um, and, and I was abused, sexually abused by him as a child. Mm-hmm. But he, he did good things too. I think we have to remember that, and this helped me to remember, that he grew up in a very hard time. He grew up very disadvantaged in Sydney. This sort of, I'd call it an affliction, flowed down through his family because his father was like that. Mm. His mother started out as a prostitute when her first husband was killed in the Indian Wars because there wasn't any pension in England. Mm-hmm. So you have to feed your children and she had three. Mm. And then dad came along and he wanted to be, uh, she married again, sorry, and uh, migrated to Australia. Then dad wanted to actually serve the Lord. But something happened and that sowed his heart against the church. But he still, obviously as a young man in the war years, was really connected to Christ because he wrote some beautiful poetry about walking in the sands that Jesus trod in because he was serving in Palestine. Then he, um, he got married and the effects of his life and the war um, led to his alcoholism and that led to some difficulties in our family, including incest. Um, he did not interfere with my sister, just myself. And um, I just buried that. We had some good times though too. Dad was, he was quite good and mum was absolutely wonderful and my grandparents on my mother's side, mm-hmm. so my grandfather on my mother's side that led me to the Lord, he was marvellous. Both of them were marvellous. They were an example of Christ to us all. But um, I, I buried the memories of my childhood and went on to become an alcoholic myself, despite the fact that I had a really good job. I started out as a law clerk and then became a head girl administrator and was able to do fairly well in the workforce, but my first marriage broke up due to my problems, which surfaced not long after I married. And um, I think that made that very very difficult for my yeah. first husband. And I was, So he, he left and I had two children at that time two babies. Francie, to hear of your children and your children's children and the fact that you and they are serving the Lord, what an absolute testimony to the grace and mercy of God, hey? Amen. That's true. When you were a young woman, though, you were telling me that uh, you managed to go to a commercial college, you became a legal stenographer. How did that come about and where did that take you? Um, I, I worked for a local legal firm for a number of years and um, I think I was about 18 when I changed into the commercial aspect of business yeah. and became a head girl in one of the um, big commercial electrical firms um, just to broaden my experience. Mm-hmm. So work-wise, I always found, I found life quite easy. And you said you're able to get, was it a scholarship or? A... I had a scholarship to a commercial college, which enabled me to get through, because we were poor, um, I was able to get through the course in half the time and get out to work. I think 
believe I just turned 14. Wow. So from your teenage years heading into young womanhood, wasn't the easiest road for you, was it? No, everything was fine. I got married. I couldn't remember the things that had happened to me, though I outworked them in my social behaviours, which left much to be desired. But after the birth of my second child, I completely broke down. I had a... uh, I remembered the things that had happened to me. It's almost like a catharsis. You go back. And um, so I tried to commit suicide the first time. Yeah. So how many times all up? Three times. Really? And that's when I got heavily into alcohol and Mm. legal drugs and really messed my life up. So messed up that you ended up in a mental institution? Yes, three times. So three times for how long at a time? Only for short periods of time. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I'd learnt from my father was that you do what authority tells you to do. Mm. I mean, Dad was so honest in some areas that he wouldn't even cheat for 20 cents on his income tax. So, you know, if there was somebody in charge, like a policeman or somebody in charge in the hospital, I did as I was told. Well done. I think more young people need to know that. And that got me out. Mm. So coming it didn't out- mean to say that I really agreed and that I was going to do what I was um, told on the outside, but... Uh, I did what I was told. So in coming back out, what did you go back into? What was life like? For the period of time that I spent, the three stints that I spent in hospital, I continually went back to my old behaviours. Drugs, alcohol, um, I was quite violent at times and very messed up until... My son was struck down with measles and cephalitis. Wow, very sick. Extremely. It was quite a miracle that he lived, mm-hmm. but he was left with extreme brain damage and I was told by the paediatrician that he was dying. Mm. So here you are, you've survived three near-death experiences or suicide attempts. He's now survived his own ill health. How old were you at this stage? Um, When that happened, I would have been about 27. Oh, that's very You're listening to The Story. Today, Karen Hunt is chatting with Francie Williams, who's sharing her remarkable life journey. We heard how childhood abuse led to drug use and other dysfunctional behaviour in Francie's life. However, we'll hear how God's love eventually broke through when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Karen Hunt chatting with Francie Williams, who's sharing her amazing life journey. Before the break, we heard how childhood abuse led to drug use and other dysfunctional behaviour in Francie's life, including several suicide attempts. But next we'll hear how God's love eventually broke through. So Pastor Francie, amidst all of this, how is it that you came 
to know Christ? And what effect did that have on your life at that time? I was a very selfish person, only thinking about myself, feeling sorry for myself after all the things that I'd been through. And because the psychiatrist would tell me that there was nothing they could do for me, I just would have to go on taking my drugs and just being a mess. Um, I felt extremely sorry for myself and I didn't realise that there were people praying for Richard and for myself. And um, one night after a very severe bout with him, I was driven to my knees to seek the God that my grandfather had introduced me to. In short, I had a conversion experience that shook me right down to my core and sent me back supernaturally, that's another story, supernaturally to the church that I hated where my father grew up. Mm -hmm. And it was there that as the Lord led me into that church, a little church that I didn't even know about, that Richard was totally healed and I was totally changed. So physical healing from brain injury? Yes, he was dying. Wow. His electroencephalograph, when he was last tested, um, showed gross abnormalities. Mm-hmm. He had them done three times because, in short, Richard shouldn't have been alive mm-hmm. and shouldn't have been functioning, but he was. So oh. the doctor decided to well, trust the Lord. The physical examination showed him as normal. The the electroencephalograph showed him as gross abnormalities. Right. They didn't agree. They didn't match up. No, no. That's why they were done three times. The third time, you can't say third time lucky, but <laughs> what happened? Well, the doctor said to me, okay, we'll trust your God. Mm-hmm. He said, but if ever he takes another fit, then you are to bring him straight in. But Richard went from strength to strength. And has he had any since then? No, never. God certainly had his hand on your family, hasn't he? Oh, yes. There was Rebecca. She had um, bacterial meningitis and she was given only a few hours to live. Yeah. Um, She was 15 months old Mm -hmm. and um, God gave me a scripture. He said clearly that she will not die, she will live. And she did. But then they, you know, the doctor said that would be a silly thing because even if she did live, she'd have such severe brain damage. I'd wish she was gone. Mm. But she's perfectly okay. Tell me where David comes into the picture. Oh, Rebecca, the youngest, my daughter was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Robert and Richard were 17 and 19. And I was, I'd worked in a very, very large church for a long time and um, after my conversion I came out of the Catholic Church went into Christian Outreach Centre and it's now City Point worked in there and then God called me out to a very tiny church that met in, in a hall yeah, which was a cultural shock and it was there quite some time later that I met my husband and I didn't I wasn't going to get married I'd been on my own 18 years and I was quite happy thank you very much <laughs> and um Cutting a long story short, he'd flown in from Western Australia at one stage with his daughter. He'd gone over to see his son um, married and they'd come back and I had no idea. I was just helping the daughter because she was young and she stayed at our place with the youth group and things like that and she was on her own because Mm -hmm. 
he his wife wasn't they'd been divorced for quite a number of years and um and I um I just helped her to get some groceries and took her back to the flat where her and her father lived and helped her to put on some tea and I was just about to go home when he arrived on the doorstep after spending the afternoon with my pastor asking him about whether or not he should ask me to marry him. Oh, wow. And I, I had no idea about this because and I wasn't ever going to get married and yeah. he, I opened the door when he knocked at his own place, would you believe, and he said, will you marry me? Oh, my goodness. And I said yes out of my spirit, which really gets you into trouble sometimes. I said yes before I thought about it with my head, which was quite... Anyways, 28 years down the track, we're still together. Oh, bless you. Oh, bless you guys. You said that you actually married David when you just turned 40. So do you feel life began at 40? No, life began, that that was a wonderful stage of life, but life itself began when I met Jesus. That's when life began. Mm, Well, thank God for that, hey? Yes. And so instantly you became a pastor's wife. How instantly did you become a pastor in your own right? Um, The day that my husband hauled me out of bed and told me that, yes, I did have a ladies' meeting to attend (laughs) to, and I had promised to do it, and I would do it. Get going, girl. Yeah. And you did. I wasn't happy. I I said to the Lord on the way to the ladies' meeting, because I just didn't want to do this, I said, right, I'll open my mouth and nothing will come out. And then I'll say, my husband made me do it, and I open my mouth and all these things come out, and I couldn't say my husband did it because it was the Lord. So I figured that I'd have to bend my knee. And uh, were they open to you? Yes, they were. Yeah, receptive? (laughs) Yes, praise God. And how easy did it come out of their mouth? Very easily. God has been so gracious, so very gracious. I just, for a long time, didn't feel that I I had the capacity to do what it was that he called me to do. I can understand that. But there's been a lot of healing, there's been deliverance, and... That's changed me a lot. There's been um, an uphill walk with the Lord when you have this sort of a situation, the situations that I've come out of, but that strengthens you and enables you by His grace to be an overcomer and share those keys with others, not just women now, but with men as well. So do you have more of a heart for the one-on-one Ministry with women, small groups, large groups? I don't define myself as being one-on-one, small or large. My heart is just towards serving the Lord every opportunity that I can. My heart really cries at times for those who are caught in mental issues, and I've spent a lot of time with that, Um, I do a course called Created in His Image and it's mainly to teach men and women who have had issues in their life that they don't seem to be able to overcome, whether they're things that have happened to them or things that they've done. I want to impart to them what it was that Christ gave me the ability by his grace to overcome all that the enemy had trapped me in. 
and walk out victorious because I believe that is something that you can only impart. And you know that firsthand. Yes. So that's your biggest passion of the moment? That, that has always been my biggest passion. Yeah, created in his image. Did you write this particular course? Or? Yes, I did. Francie, I know another one of your passions at the moment is your ladies group. You have, what, once a month entitled Women of Worth. Tell us about that grouping. Um, the Lord challenged my heart in 1995 after I'd done a series of meetings um, around the country and in New Zealand yeah. um, for women and um, to, to start an interdenominational gathering of women, not another meeting, okay. a gathering yeah. where women could hang out together and where we could bring those who aren't converted, like neighbours or friends or family that don't know Christ. Mm -hmm. And the main focus was to give people like that an idea of what church is like, you know, you know that we haven't got two heads, that we all yes. get together and just talk women things. And to have someone share a, a testimony mm -hmm. um, at that time, an interesting testimony. And so... Yeah, we started that and it's been going ever since. And so we usually just have testimonies and we have the most amazing supper, which, you know, you really don't need dinner before you come for supper. Nice. Or sometimes we have singing and sometimes we don't if there's a lot of people that don't know the Lord or if we're just all different denominations and haven't got a clue what the songs are about. Well, yeah. yeah we just try to make everybody... Um, relax in an atmosphere of acceptance and love. If people are interested to find out what's involved or to make contact with you, is there a particular website that people can go to? Yes, uh, you can contact me at Gospel Lighthouse, all one word, lowercase, dot org, dot au. Okay, so that's the website, www.gospellighthouse.org.au. And to send you an email, it would simply be francie at gospellighthouse.org.au. That's right. Francie, sounds like you're doing amazing work, hey? So much has happened in your life journey so far. And now the people that you're imparting to and serving, they must love you lots. Oh, yeah. I love them lots too. There is no church without people. God loves you, Francie. Thanks so much for your time and God bless you and increase you and strengthen you as you continue with your great work. Thank you, Karen. Well, what a fantastic story of a life being redeemed and restored. As we heard, Francie Williams reached a low point with drug use, dysfunctional behaviour and suicide attempts. But then God entered into the picture and now she's a pastor and has been serving other broken people for many, many years. As the Bible says, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. If you'd like to make contact with Francie or learn more about the ministry she's involved in, as she mentioned, the website is gospellighthouse.org.au. That's gospellighthouse.org.au. Well, thanks for joining us for Francie's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. You're in that environment where you're always critiqued. So whether it was in a dance class or... You 
an acting class, you're critiqued on your performance. So it was very much about what you do and how you look. And I remember being in a dance class and I honestly can't even tell you exactly what she said, but my dance teacher made a comment about my weight and something switched in my mind and, yeah, that kind of took control of my life for quite some time. Singer and songwriter Mel Crothers says that in her teen years, a family crisis had the unintended consequence of changing the direction of her life forever. We'll hear her story and some of her music next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.